0: You're all listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football.
1: Good morning. Welcome to the World Football Programme on Radio Freemance 107.9 FM. Myself, Penny Tanner Hoth, and Miranda Templeman in the studio today. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for listening in. Hi, Miranda. How are you going today? Very good. Thank you, Penny. Watching the results very closely in the WNPL or NPLW. Good result for a Mum FC last night.
2: Yes, and good result for NTC last night as well. (laughs) Keeping Redbacks in there. You know, down lower will always help. Um, That race for the top four is so tight at the moment. You know, any points that are dropped by Barcada Redbacks, NTC or Frio makes a massive difference. Absolutely, and it's
1: certainly good for Mum FC women's team because they're sitting on top of the table... By three points now, that'll change possibly over the weekend Mm -hmm. with the Perth Soccer Club playing their game. But um, goal difference is a big one, difference between the top two teams. So if it comes down to the why, the goal difference is going to do the job. (laughs) (laughs) We've got our leading goal scorer in Kat Jukic at um, Mum FC, brother of Andrea, who was also at the Perth Glory a few years back. Um, goal scoring is in the genes there. Mm. Good stuff for us. Guests on the week this show are Greg Werner, who is a historian and part of the Australian football before the A-League Facebook page. If you haven't seen that before, hop onto it. It's got a lot of history. People engage from all over Australia about the A-League, NSL and surrounds. Very interesting. Has a lot of uh, people logging into that we'll have a chat to tommy dolman who's match reporter for football west uh he does the men's npl and the women's npl he was commentating the game last night and all the games are streaming live through footballwest.com.au and they do pump it out on the social media and we do put that out onto the world football facebook page as well so great job there football west for doing that there was certainly a lot of people down at the game last night um as far as the women's games go, there's been pretty good attendance at the Murdoch Homegrounds. Mm. Uh, we had a volunteer night last night and there was hundreds of people down there, which was great. Mm. Um, had the former mayor, Russell Aubrey, down there and lots of notables and notorieties down there um, enjoying the game and having a bit of a chinwag and getting thanked for all their <laughs> volunteer work that they've done uh, around the club and in the community. So thanks everyone for attending that and watching a great game too. Mm. Greg Farrell from West Coast Futsal will join us talking about futsal and women's football. We'll have a chat to Gavin Carroll, who's the president of Boulder City Soccer Club, not to be confused with Boulder City Football Club, which is <laughs> AFL. And they're celebrating 120 years this year. And I think they are the oldest club in Western Australia. Bassendean Caledonian was 1913, so these guys are I think 1890. Yeah, I'm sure Gavin will confirm that, but um, that must put them out there with one of the oldest clubs in Australia. Yeah, lots of history there. Absolutely. So we'll talk to Gavin about what the club is doing to celebrate and some of the characters and events along the way that have shaped the club. Um, Going through a couple of world wars would have certainly shaped a few things and Mm. being out in the gold fields with having transient workforce would have certainly affected a few things along the way, Mm -hmm. not just the football Thank you, everyone, for listening in for the next two hours. We'll be here until 12 o'clock. We do appreciate everyone who partners up with the show. At the moment, we've got West Coast Futsal, and Greg Farrell has been a great leader in joining the West Coast Futsal organisation with the World Football Program. Thanks, Greg, West Fencing and Raw Tyron, who build Gates and Fences, Gate and Fence Hardware WA, and that's all about hardware. And I can tell you, across construction and uh, the trades at the moment, it's very, very busy, so business for building fences and gates has been flat tack and a lot of people can't go on holiday so um, home handymen have been exceptionally Mm -hmm. busy so hardware's going through the roof Mm -hmm. and i certainly hope that football outside of the 11 side is going through the roof for everybody out there is in the business of five aside and six aside and seven Mm aside and whatever else it is um there is lots of things happening out in our west australian community which is fantastic we are very blessed to be here it rained this morning but the weather is now perfect (laughs) Um, supposedly it's going to be raining again tomorrow. We'll see about that. Um, just wanted to say that there's uh, – w- when I was listening to the radio on the on the way to work this morning, it just kind of struck me that uh, not only are we in a very safe place at the moment in Western Australia, but the connectedness of everything across the world. I was listening to 990 and they, they read newspapers from various places <clears throat> locally and across Australia. And a lot of things are resetting and – uh, reviewing what they're doing. And we're all in the same place. COVID has affected us all. So we've all been affected by the same thing, but in different ways. Um, with football, it's a matter of, okay, how do we pull our heads in? How do we, um, tighten the budget? How do we review our competitions and our development pathways, all of those things. And, and everybody's considering the same things right across the world Mm. and they're all doing it at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And I think it's a fantastic thing. And, um, hopefully it's a progressive thing for the sport it might be a bit tough at the moment if you think of the a league and the w league yeah um competition's being deferred and um budget's being cut and there's a lot of uncertainty and it's probably a lot of pain too um but hopefully on the other side of that we're in a good place to all start from and move forward i don't know what that will be what what that'll look like
2: Mm.
1: but um everybody's going through all those kind of changes and transitions at the moment and I, I thought that was a great connectedness that we've all got, that we all can talk about that and, and share that. And maybe we're not all going through exactly the same thing, but it's something that's affecting us all as a sport and other sports and other people in the world as well. Yeah, 100%. Yep, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough time for a lot of people. So uh, thoughts are out to others that aren't in as nice a place as what we are in here, in Miranda, mm, maybe in very lucky. Melbourne. Some people call into my business and... They're saying, I'm calling from Melbourne, I'm in lockdown, but uh, I'd like to order some things from over oh. there in West Australia. We have a bit of a conversation about <laughs> things. and it's Yeah, it's very nice. Mm. Um, there's a lot of news to be talking about for the week. So we'll certainly have a talk about that. Um, that was my moment that I just wanted to share. What about you, Miranda, for the week in football? What's kind of stood out for
2: you? Yeah, you know, as a Spurs fan, I think <laughs> I'm very, very happy at the moment with the transfer window. We've got both on the men's and the women's side, we obviously just – signed back gareth bale he's come back home and (laughs) on a one-year loan deal and then hopefully we might keep him a bit longer than that and then on the women's team we've also signed alex morgan which is a great addition and i think she'll really be lifting and be working with alana kennedy who's already there and that should be great yeah
1: there's a lot of talk about gareth bale Mm. what he might be doing if he was happy or unhappy but i guess he was unhappy yeah he's moved on and It's a a good thing for someone else to take advantage of the amazing talent that he's got and hopefully he'll get some game time and he'll be a happy chappy.
2: Yeah, I think Spurs could use their little boost right now. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. And uh, just uh, out there, if you're looking for social mediums to get uh, football on, tune in. Uh, Simon Hill comes on the show, uh, formerly from Fox Sports, and now does a little bit of this and a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. Um, match commentary for ESPN. You'll hear him on Champions League, uh, lines, that kind of thing. He does a podcast called um, Shim's... Spider and so much more, and uh, talks about uh, A League and local football pathways, etc. Has some great guests on. So if you can tune into that, and there's another one for women's football for the Women's Super League in England called the Offside Pub Podcast, mm. and uh, it's got two or three ladies come on each week. Um, they talk very effervescently uh, about football. And it's great because there's Australians playing in the WSL, so mm-hmm. they get a mention too. So I just thought I'd mention those too. And if you log on to the womenssoccer.com.au Facebook page, um, yeah, there'll be streams of what's happening locally and um, nationally with W League and various podcasts that you can log into there just as points of interest. We are going to go to a break and we are going to come back and chat with Greg Werner. And Greg's over east, so we'll find out what's happening over there. And football, this is Penny and Miranda back soon.
0: 107.9 FM, your local station.
3: FM. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't
4: fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour-bond aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at ozwestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au Please don't fence me
0: West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So, grab five mates and come down for a game today.
5: The World Football Program is a community program run by
0: volunteers, just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station
5: membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle Weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Programme. Miranda and I were just commenting off-air about a WA Today article. German soccer team thrashed 37-0 after socially distancing from opponent. <laughs> Story goes that um, the defending team was going to copper 200, well, probably pounds or euros, mm. fine if they didn't turn up. So they thought that one of the other players had um, been exposed to uh, COVID-19 in some way, so they wanted to socially distance. They didn't want to fall for the match, so they started the match, stood to the side, and 37 goals oh. later, um, yeah, I'm not sure, yeah, how the team actually were sitting in the table there, but that was interesting, <laughs> 37 goals I, made me think about, um, Greg, some of the results that the Australians used to have when they were in the Oceania group um, against some of the, like, Papua New Guinea and Samoan Island teams. Ever (laughs) privy to some of those? 31-0,
6: 29-0. I think it was too big.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the follow-on thought from that is we've got Australia now competing in the uh, Asian Football Confederation, so we go into the Asian – Champions League, and we've got New Zealand, who are still in the Oceania group, and they have a team, Wellington Phoenix, in our A League because they need more competition. And you know, who knows whether that's the best thing for Australian football or Australian coaches identifying players or whatever. But there's kind of there's movement in and out into you know, different areas as the countries seek to develop themselves. So, what's your thoughts on New Zealand having a team in our A League and possibly? Um, having a team in the W League because mm-hmm. that's a consideration for um, maybe the next one or two years?
6: Uh, I think we owe it to um, Oceania. Good afternoon, by the way. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is afternoon in uh, in not so sunny Sydney. Uh, it's cool and overcast here. Um, as far as as uh, yeah the the nations of Oceania are concerned, I believe that uh, football, New South Wales football, Australia owes the uh, the Oceania Confederation um, a real debt in that they uh, you know they were our home for the best part of uh, forty years and uh, the development that we put into that as as the major uh, competing country really probably wasn't what it should be uh, for one reason or another and therefore I think going forward having now abandoned them or just sort of Stepped away from them, I think we owe it to them to do whatever we can to uh, to, to help not only the clubs but the nations of the, of the confederation as much as we can. So I have no problem with New Zealand um, clubs playing in in our uh, in our local league. Uh, I know that um, you know there's been uh, plans mooted over the over the decades of going into uh, into a an Asian Super League, if you will, so that you know three or four of the, the Australian clubs would play in uh, teams from Singapore and Malaysia and Indonesia in a, in what's supposedly a, um, I guess a a, a melding and trying to uh, sort of build the club competition up from from this area. So you know I have no problems whatsoever with the the Kiwi clubs playing here.
1: It's a good point that you bring up when Australia moved out of the Oceania group. Uh, we were, along with New Zealand, the the two strongest teams in that group and it left New Zealand the strongest team, I believe, at the time in in the group and now, I guess. So, you know, they're looking for ways to develop their football in their country and that's stepping into Australia, into the A-League. And I guess, you know, at some point there'll be other teams that will will become stronger and give them the level of competition they desire. But at the moment, you're right. It's um, something that they need to do, like we've stepped into the Asian group. Just on the development thing, um, Miranda and I were talking earlier about how this COVID situation has meant that uh, everybody's looking at their football uh, and look, reviewing how things are working, looking at the pathways, all, all those kind of things. What's your thoughts on um, where Australia's heading for football in, in terms of, what well, Socceroos has, has pretty much gone quiet, um Matilda's uh, looking for a coach and that's probably a you know, couple of weeks away mm-hmm. because, well, I believe the W League should be deferred until we have a Matilda's coach so that that coach can then step into the W League and then identify players. And we need to do that fairly quick because mm-hmm. if they're going to be young players, then we've got a World Cup to be thinking of. We want to identify players and get them into the system and start you know going to whatever play style of play we're going to have and I don't know what style that is but I I think in the last few years the Matildas have a style of play but I'm not sure about the Socceroos. Um, What's your thoughts Greg on how we're going towards developing systems from grassroots up to the top level in Australia?
6: Uh, The word shambles springs to mind. Um, Harsh. uh, Well yeah there, there doesn't you know we might have had a a national curriculum in place but that doesn't necessarily flow through to to where the the um the game really starts and you know this is a conversation we've we've had before it's it's it starts at the grassroots um you know players all spend two three four years uh you know learning their their trade in the and, and the very basics that are needed to to build a footballer at local club level. And until we get the coaching structure right at local club level, we're never going to be a, a complete footballing nation. Uh, I've always said, and I've had this argument with a few people, that every grassroots club should have a uh, a, a technical director, a coach of coaches, if you will, uh, to take the, the um, I guess, the stress away from, mother and father coaches who just do it, you know, twice a week to give them, you know, a, a sound um, basis for them to to build their their sessions on for, you know, be it A grade, B grade, C grade, D grade or whatever so that the kids learn the basics of the game as they should be taught at every level of the game from, from day one.
1: But are you talking and, uh, about uh, volunteers though, Greg? So are, are you talking about a an infrastructure at the club that's set up by the club or by FFA mandated to the clubs? What do you mean?
6: Well, in this case, I guess it's to which of the state federations to put in a coaching structure which allows um, properly licensed coaches to be funded by the local associations and the clubs and the, uh, the state bodies to get these properly qualified coaches out there into the field Five days a week, um, you know, it, it's it's not a highly paid gig. It's, yes, okay, it's a it's it's a part time gig. But everybody that coaches in uh, in football in Australia, apart from the national team coaches, is coaching on a part time basis. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't take that much to to give the proper knowledge and structures to to coaches at a grassroots level. You know, if you if you get at the beginning of the season. Your your local TD to grab all of the the you know the mums and dad coaches out there to spend three or four nights before the season starts to give them some kind of um, plan for them to work from. Then that's got to be a starting point, and it's got to be better than than you know what we have in in place at the moment, which is you know dad rocks up because he played the game for for fifteen years and he's going to teach. You know the six and seven year olds, the basics of the game. Even if those basics, as he learnt them, are wrong, yeah. And that's got that's got to be remedied before we really can uh, can move on.
1: Do you think that that's remedied by the Football Federation Australia appointing the right people, or having a a right system, and then just sharing that system, or mandating that system, or putting some money into those resources? What do you reckon?
6: Oh look, uh, this is one of those things where the the national body and the state bodies have to have to work hand in hand. I think um, it's a matter of you know throwing money at the game where the game actually needs it, and that's not at the top end; it's at the bottom end. Um, you know, at the moment, that's that's the area, as we all know, that is that is, is and always has been uh, hugely neglected. Uh, so yes, it, it needs. To, From my perspective, it needs to be mandated that each, even if it's maybe not each individual club, but each association has available to them a properly qualified technical director who is employed to work with the rep teams from that association, but also work with the local coaches. You know, to have a a session with the coaches, you know, once a week uh, or whatever, just to build up their their knowledge base.
1: Yep, I'd, so they, I'd be happy with that. that. So, yeah, you kind of like a mentoring system. Uh, I think Football West have a mentoring, a coaching mentoring system. I'm not quite sure what it's called exactly, but uh, we had a coach come out to our club, uh, Murdoch Melville, uh, this week to the 14s girls, and uh, that was Peter Bliss, and he's in the state system, and uh, he's uh, many years of experience and I thought excuse me I thought that his time was very valuable and it was simply to uh, allow the grassroots coaches to have a look at the way that uh, more experienced and professional coaches operate so that they can maybe change what they do and I I thought that was most valuable and I was surprised that the offer's not taken up by more clubs here in Perth um, for such an experienced coach or set of coaches that they've got available to them but uh, I hear what you're saying and I'm, I'm a coach, I do um, young young girls from the age of 10 to 14 and I, I'd love that kind of mentoring along the way. Someone in my space that could come down where the other coaches are and um, just have a, have a look at our styles and go, well, maybe you could do it this way or just have a look at how we're doing and we can get kind of a, a different response by doing it this way and involve all the kids in the activities rather than do your line drills where they're sitting around and talking and kicking a ball and, boy, that sure happens. And, you know, just change all those little tips and tricks like – Um, Like you said about if you're brought up in a certain way of um, being coached, then you're likely to coach that way Mm. unless you have gone through some kind of mentoring or coaching qualification that makes it different. So, uh, Greg, just on another thing, I did want to say that uh, Perth Glory have appointed a new coach Mm -hmm. this week uh, for the men's uh, side of things, we're not sure what's happening with the women's side of things. In Richard Garcia, who's thirty-eight years old, uh, so congratulations to Richard. He's been involved with the club for a, a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, a professional player and and captain. also played captain, mm. correct? Um, played for Australia, so it uh, comes with a great portfolio. A very young coach, yeah. Uh, but then again, Popper was uh, a young fella himself. I think he was um, early forties, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yep, um, and also congratulations to Carl Veert, who's taking up the job at Adelaide United as well. Um, nice to see uh, Grassroots coming back here to Perth Glory. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of uh, the budgets and um, collective bargaining that's happening, Greg, around Australia at the moment with um, exodus of players. I suspect the salary and wages is going to affect some of the higher paid Marquee players that have been in some clubs, whether they'll stay or whether they won't, it'll certainly affect Perth Glory. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a little bit further away, and uh, things just seem to affect us more over here. Greg, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look,
6: the, the appointment of Carl and and Richie, I think, is uh, has to be hugely applauded. Uh, Carl really showed what he was capable of at the back end of the season um, this year, and the appointment of Richie, I think, is just fantastic. It's uh, it, it's nice to see. Be it maybe budget driven, but the fact that uh, that the the owners of the clubs are are actually looking locally rather than casting their uh, their, their eyes further downfield. Um, you know, these guys have, have have grown up in the game here, so they know uh, the way things operate. Um, they know what it means to 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 reach the top, and you know they're they're really able to. I believe will be able to. Uh, draw on that experience and pass it on to, um, on to the players. Uh, Carl's already proven himself at the top level. I think Richie was an assistant at Glory. Yep. Uh, this season, so it'll be interesting to see what um, what he learned under under Popper and how he's able to uh, to bring that to bear with the Glory for the for the upcoming season. Um, I'm I'm really excited about both appointments. I think it's um, you know with um, you know Bimby over here in Sydney. And um, you know we, we're really starting to build a, uh, a coaching base at the at the top level locally. And I'm also buoyed by the number of players um, going out there and getting their coaching licences. The you know the big one recently is uh, you know is Timmy Kale going and getting his licence yep. in mm-hmm. Europe. Um, so you know rather than just um, saying yes, I'm I'm done with my career, I'll just sort of work with my academy now, and that's going to be the way of it for. Um, uh, for the rest of my uh, my time, I'm I'm going to get out there and and you know throw myself to the wolves and and see what happens in the world of professional coaching. I think that's that's fantastic. That you know I just wish there were more players that were that were doing it. There you know there are a lot of players who got to um, a certain level that are going out and, and getting their uh, getting their badges, but I'd like to see those players that that reach the very pinnacle um, getting out there and. Um, and, uh, and starting to give back from uh, from a coaching perspective,
1: it'd be good to see Timmy Kay Who come back here to Australia. I don't think he's living in Australia at the moment. Is he in America?
6: No, 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 he's um he's living in the UK. UK,
1: mm. all right. Yeah, it'd be good to see him come back to Australia with all that experience that he's gotten and, and share it in some way, either in the uh, FFA or the, the Soccer set setup or Matilda setup or
6: whatever. I yeah. have I have no doubt that Timmy Cahill has got a Socceroos. um Appointment in his uh, in his plans for the <laughs> I have no doubt of that whatsoever. You know, he's gone to the hardest school possible, um, the UEFA school, and and he's going to um, learn all the uh, have all the, the the rough edges taken off him in the in, you know the the world of professional coaching in in Europe. And I think he will um, come back a, a much better, um, much better qualified coach for it. I, I'm really looking forward to watching his journey. As it, uh, as it opens up to us.
2: Yeah, and I do think that um one of my coaches has said to me that your football mind doesn't reach its peak until your body doesn't do what it wants to anymore. So <laughs> I think, you know, once you um finish your playing career, um, you've got all this knowledge that you're still accumulating and it's, you know, what do you do with it then? And I think coaching is a fabulous outlet for former players to really give back to the community. Yeah. Yeah, and
6: there's just not enough of them doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, as I said earlier, there, there are a number of, of guys that played in the, the NSL and the NPL and, to a lesser extent, um, the A-League who have gone out and got their their um, B licences, I notice. But uh, it, it's just like I would love to see them getting out there and, and really starting to you know, try their hand at the NPL level and you know, seeing, seeing what they've got to bring. Mm-hmm.
1: Greg, do you see that the uh, next round so to speak or, or the next season of the a league uh, and the W league is going to be a younger league full stop because of conditions right now like the average age of the a league this year uh, across most of the teams was 32 years old Oof. yeah,
6: yeah so, it, it, well it, it has to be mm. it has to be we're not going to be able to attract the um the uh the older players Um Purely and simply due to to COVID, as much as anything, getting players out of Europe now is going to be harder. We are going to have to look inward, and uh, with the the drop off in um, the drop off in in uh, budgets uh, and sponsorship, you know, people are going to have to look. Owners are going to have to look at uh, at developing uh, their their younger players and uh, and bringing them into the system. It's you know, a it's a double edged.
1: It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? With Fox reducing the amount of money they're putting into sport because of obvious reasons for them, mm-hmm. that means that there's less money in our sport that we can then give back to our clubs, which means that the money's going to have to come from other revenue sources. And we know that Australian football doesn't have it. We've lost uh, the Hyundai's major sponsor, Qantas mm-hmm. as the major sponsor over the last couple of years. Um, so you know, what we need is a quality product that people will want to either – go to stadiums and watch. So they'll pay money to go through gates to watch or they'll hop online and digital technologies at the moment is just soaring to amazing heights. Mm-hmm. But how do they make money from that? I mean, that's got to be some kind of way to make revenue. Surely the FFA is going to cut onto that in some way. I don't know how FA TV or whatever it's going to be. But um, it's the revenue thing that's slashing the budgets and the owners of each of the A-League clubs and W-League clubs they, you know, one and the same, except for Canberra United, of course, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, they're, they're forking out the money and they don't want to fork out more money um, because they're probably having it tough as well in their yep. business, their own business, right. So it's all this double-edged sword stuff that's happening. So I feel for the the players, they've got their families and their mortgages, et cetera, that mm-hmm. they have to pay for, but the, the money's not there. Yep. It's just not there anymore. So we've got to say, okay, if you want a job, then this is what's going to happen um, because where else we're we going to get the money from if it's FFA and they're not stepping in yet, but they probably will, mm. then it comes down to registrations. That's you and me, Miranda, paying money to play football. If it's more money to play football, so that it goes up to the top end and then filters back out to the A League and the W League, then you know that kills the sport.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Um, it's yeah. I, I've got serious concerns about. The next season and the way it's it's going to shape, especially for the W League, mm-hmm. um, I really just I can't see how the W League can uh, can function um, as we you know as we know it or know it to have been uh, because there just simply isn't the money out there, and now with the the, the outflow of, of talent from um, from the league. Uh, it's going to pretty much be um, a local-based uh, competition. We're not going to have the the influx of players from America. Uh, we're not going to have the money to pay them for a start, and you know whether state borders are going to be open enough for, for a competition to to run. Who knows? It may go back to you know uh, to having a hub to playing, you know, a a 10-week competition in one state, a glorified um, national championships, if you will. That's got Uh, its own
1: problems, though, if it's a younger generation. Like Miranda and I have talked about this on the show before, Mm -hmm. and Miranda's right in that age group where um, a lot of the young female footballers are students Uh, either uni or high school even and have their families so you've got to consider the family factor as well in a hub system how that could possibly practically work in this environment
2: yeah and you've also got you know a lot of the w league players aren't fully employed as footballers they've got part-time jobs as teachers or anything else to get the money that they need to make a living so if they're taking you know 10 weeks off of work then that has financial problems for them as well Yes. Yeah.
6: No. Th- th- these are these are the concerns that I have for the W League. Mm-hmm. I just I just can't see how it's going to uh, operate in any way that is recognisable to us. Yep. Uh, it's going to have to be completely rethought. And I have no doubt that, that James and his uh, James and his crew and Greg are, are you know in the process of trying to trying to figure out that how that's how that's going to work.
1: Absolutely, I'm sure. And what about uh, on the other hand of all this restructuring and reviewing of competitions, what about uh, giving uh, recognition to the history of the game? Uh, I know when uh, we were in that March, April, May period when there was no football here in Western Australia, it, we, we didn't have the competition to talk about. In fact, there was no football anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So we talked more about the history of the game. Um, and uh, your Facebook page, um, Australian Football before the A League, has been um, well attended to, uh, Greg, as it should be. Um, and there's a, a growing, uh, growing amount of people tapping into. Let's give recognition to the history of our game, as it should be.
6: Uh, yeah, it's 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 been ter- the lockdown has actually been really good for the history of the game. It's given people uh, time to sit down and. And look at uh, look at the game. Uh, you, you know, as you say, you, you can't talk about uh, you know current competitions because you know, they weren't weren't being played. And uh, and it, it's a case of well, if we can't talk about what's going on now, let's have a look at, at what's happened in the past. And I've been really gratified by the number of ex players that are now coming on board and and sharing their stories. Um, it's been it's been really good to to have the 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 community embrace them and uh, and the stories that they have to tell, and you know, we're getting further and further back in terms of our uh, our look into into history and and you know the way the game um, has been played in the past, and the, and the good thing about that is is it's all part and part parcel of uh, of building a football culture. Yes, uh, which is something that we've been you know we've been criticised for for not having. Uh, and you know rightfully so. Uh, you know knowing knowing about your your past, knowing about your your local club and when it started and and you know, the stars of that club and and all of that sort of thing is it's all fruit for the sideboard in terms of you know conversation starting and and if you can't go to the pub and and have a conversation with somebody about uh, football today and yesterday, then you know you're not involved in a football culture.
1: Mm.
3: And, you
6: know, we're now starting to get that, which is uh, which is really gratifying.
1: I do like the fact that it's kind of a um, you know the ball rolling down the hill and gathering momentum and gathering size kind of thing. Uh, it, it is that a lot of? I'm involved with the uh, West Australian Football Hall of Fame in Western Australia, and one of the things that we've done in the last twelve months is. Collect and memorabilia, and catalogue it so that we can eventually we can share it to um, the football community at at events. So that's gathering momentum along the way, and the store that we've got is pretty damn chockers. Um, and, you know, bulging at the seams and more and more people are recommending to other people, um, that instead of, um, moving it on like they had their COVID clean outs, instead of moving it on like in the trash and, and forgetting about it, mm-hmm. they're, um, passing it on so that we can respect and recognize it and, and share it in the football community. And that might be when the State Football Center is built eventually in Queen's Park, mm-hmm. hopefully, because it's just around the corner from me. <laughs> 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 um, there, there'll be like a, a, a museum there or a room there, or it might be that um, all the money that the government has promised to put into new facilities mm. in West Australia, that the clubs upgrade the facilities and then they have this space to put all this beautiful memorabilia that has been in the back room for you know the last 60 years, all those kind yeah. of things. So people are talking about it more and more and getting out older and older photos or seeing someone that had an old photo in a photo album, and they're taking a snapshot with their phone, or digitising it some way, and then putting it on Facebook, and it's great. Yeah. It's stimulating lots of great conversations, Greg.
6: It is. It is. Um, I, I referee here locally in the um, in the Sutherland Association in Sydney, and it's it's lovely to go into a clubhouse at even a, even a tiny little club like a, 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 an Ingadine Crusaders, for instance, uh, where. Up on the wall, they have uh, a framed jersey from their first year of existence. You know, they've got uh, photographs of their ground when it wasn't a ground, and then when it was a ground from back in the you know the early 60s. Things like that. It's 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 all part and parcel of uh, as I said, building the culture, knowing the knowing the teams uh, have have come from the local community. Uh, Recognising the, the the administrators through you know you like you go into any club in the in the country you've got all the past presidents and treasurers and secretaries and what have you all of that sort of thing is starting to to um, to slide into the world of football now which is which is really terrific the only question that I have is uh, is to whether or not the small clubs that um, that are so vital for uh, the game locally. Uh, whether or not they're going to uh, come out the other side of, yes. uh, of COVID yep. because, you know, the, the smaller clubs are the ones that rely on the canteens, that rely on the barbecues yep. to, you know, to pay their, their, their ground hire fees. And I just well, I just hope that there are more councils like Randwick out, out there in, in Sydney who have, you know, waived fees for ground hire uh, for local clubs mm-hmm. uh, for this season.
1: Yep.
6: Uh, <laughs> because without that sort of... Uh, give and take, you know, there's going to be a lot of clubs just disappear off the face of the map and that's tragic.
1: Yes, yeah, we had um, been talking about that uh, amongst the Hall of Fame over the last um, few weeks actually with um, survival um, of various organisations and associations being in our minds through, um, you know, lack of business with COVID, et cetera, et cetera, and, and how that affects clubs and then the memorabilia and, you know, what we can do to help clubs with that. Um, and we're not sure what the answer is, but talking about it is good so that people know there's, there's support out there and if they need to reach out, be it to move things to another facility if the club's not going to exist or to buddy up with another club or for it to be stored somewhere. We're, all, we're just considering all those kind of things because you're you're darn right. There's a lot of memorabilia out there and sometimes people don't know it's memorabilia. They just think it's junk mm-hmm. and it's just been sitting <clears> underneath <throat> the kitchen bench in a box at the back behind <laughs> the knives forever and you know all those kind of things happen. Um,
6: um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just story after story after story of uh, uh, clubs moving moving facilities and things just getting junk. I yes. mean, the Harkala one with the Australia Cup is the is the classic example that, um, you know, St George did exactly the same thing when they moved from their headquarters at Northdale in Sydney here. You know, they just they trashed everything and that's one of the most storied clubs, you know, in Sydney football. Yep. And they've they've literally got nothing left. It's left to to, you know, to private collections. And you know, I've been lucky. I uh, just locally, uh, my father in law, um he was involved with the the foundation of the local club here in San Susi. Uh his father actually started the club and that club has gone on to produce two soccer roos and it's a it's now a very, very um healthy local football club and, and, you know, just going through some old photographs here, I you know, found three photographs from uh, his childhood that, uh, you know, under-12s, under-14s and, and an all-age photograph, which probably only exist in his private collection.
3: Yeah.
6: And, you know, these, these are clubs, photographs from San Susie when there was no San Susie club. It was just a San Susie team. And you know that, that 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 single team went on to become three teams and become a club.
1: Yeah, that's but smart. Burnout. Snap that. These
6: photographs, right. you know, predated that by ten and fifteen years. And yeah. you know, those photographs are out there. Good. I have no doubt.
1: Greg, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time and, and input and discussions and football banter. Really appreciate that. Thank you.
6: My pleasure, Penny.
1: And uh, stay safe and well, and hope the weather's okay for the weekend of footballing activities you've got planned.
6: Oh, it'll be a nice one. Off to ref under 18s game today, and I've got a 35s and an all age game tomorrow, so it's all good fun. Enjoy. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. <laughs> See ya. See ya. That was Greg Werner, who is a football historian on, on the East Side and part of the Australian Football Before the A League Facebook page, which is rolling along very nicely. Loving all the stuff that gets thrown onto the page and mm-hmm. shared. And it gets shared right around to other, heaps of other different sites. And he's right. Recognising the history is part of building the culture. Yeah. I really like that. Okay, let's move on. This is Penny and Miranda. We'll be, we'll be back talking local football. <laughs> i say it <that> all over <laughs> again. Penny and Miranda on the World Football Program. And we'll be back very shortly talking local football with Tommy Dolman.
5: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.
7: Conrad, congratulations on the win. Obviously, it's pre-season, but what did you think of the performance? Um, Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good game today. Uh, You know, we're going into the game, haven't had too much practice matches so far, but uh, a bit of a mixture of youth and experience today with some of the girls not back from glory yet. So, uh, pretty good performance from everybody. You know, they all got a run, they all did really well. Uh, I thought Sterling Panthers put up a really good fight and were, you know, much improved over last season so I think they'll give a, other teams a good run for their money but yeah good run out for us and good run out for other girls. What do you what are you taking away from the performance as well? I know you've got quite a few players coming back um, from the glory and then obviously youth players playing in here as well. So what do what are you taking from these performances in the night series? Really that in the night series, yeah obviously we want to win it's a title you know, that you can win a trophy we can win but at the same time we're trying to give the other girls a bit of a run, see who can put their hand up and take a spot in the first team. Um, you know, today, what the six or seven, yeah, you know, the younger reserves from last season, who got a run out. Some of them performed exceptionally well. A couple of them had an outstanding game. So, for me as a coach, it just gives me a chance to look at and see if they can play within our team structure and against you know Premier League teams rather than just reserves teams. So that's what I'm trying to take out of the, of at least the group stage of uh, of the night series.
4: Welcome
1: back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. If you want to give a shout-out to anybody, land your shout on the World Football Program Facebook page. I'm very tongue-tied today. I think that's because I've been very, very busy and my head is full of everything. At the moment, it's full of football. Good morning, Tommy. How are you?
5: Morning, Penny. Morning, Miranda. How are we?
1: Well, I'm bloody awesome because (laughs) of the win last night and the crowd (laughs) down at Murdoch. No complaints yep. from me. Good no, advertisement. It was, for... it
5: was a good night, wasn't it? Oh, it
1: was. We had our volunteer night, so there was a, a great crowd destined to be there anyway, with a few hundred people being thanked for their input into the club and community. But to add that to the crowd for the game, it uh, made well good turnover for the canteen, which is always great for a club <laughs> and nice atmosphere and good promotion for the game.
5: Yeah, I must admit, Penny, I could smell the burgers when I walked into the ground last night, but I generally don't eat before I commentate, as a rule of thumb, so I wasn't <laughs> able to enjoy, unfortunately. But uh, um, it was a bit of a, a, a bit of a war of attrition, really, wasn't it, between two fairly experienced sides last night, I thought. Um, and, and the story that I sort of was coining in my head through the whole sort of call was, um, it was really the Jukic versus Aquino head-to-head battle, which stood out last night. I thought <laughs> Katarina Jukic was... Um, the most likely source of goals all night, really. Mm -hmm. She was the one that was making things happen, dropping deeper, and and Morgan made some tremendous saves, particularly with her legs in the first half. So um, it it was a a good game to watch, but um, you just sense that perhaps the Redbacks... um, I thought Sarah Carroll was perhaps a little too isolated and I could sense that she was dropping a little bit deeper to get involved in the game more as the second half war. And I thought it really helped when Melanie Douglas and Carla Bennett came on in the second half because mm-hmm. that gave her a little bit more of a conduit to play through. And, and for a little while, for probably a five-minute period, the, the Redbacks looked as if they were fairly comfortable and as if they were going to hold on for a point.
1: Mm. Yep. I, what I liked about last night is Kat Yukic played a great game. Yeah. Support, her control of the ball, vision, passing, um, just uh, – Shots on goals, as per usual, mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. that lady is a bit of a goal machine. <laughs> it's a magnet towards the goals, but last night not quite the, the right magnet. But um, uh, Morgan was fantastic in goals, mm. and yeah. she made it look very easy. And I was talking with someone in the second half and saying, why do they keep kicking to the goalkeeper? They're not kicking to the goalkeeper. <laughs> She's putting herself in the right position yeah. all the time, making it look like they're kicking to the goalkeeper. Yeah. So, and that's what go- good goalkeepers do, so – well under the keeper, and Miranda
2: knows this. Yeah, exactly, and I think it's really good to see her back out there, obviously, after that little stint of injury in the mid-season. So I think very welcome back by the Redbacks team.
1: Absolutely. It, it adds to their repertoire, but, um, you know, it took the 80th minute or something like that for Mum FC to score. So I think a draw out of that game would have been pretty well-deserved by both teams, yeah. but... Um, yeah, Mum FC crowd
2: were pretty ecstatic to get that you Yeah, I, didn't know. I was watching the live stream on the couch and I was <laughs> ecstatic when Melville scored. It's good for us in the league.
1: Yeah, yeah
5: I, I mean, I, I thought I thought Mum FC created the better chances on a night. I think they would have probably been a little bit disappointed had they um, not got the three points, given mm-hmm. the saves that Morgan did make. But um, it was that sort of night, wasn't it? There was a few shots flying in. Cats obviously never... Um, short of confidence in terms of trying those ones from long range. But it was just shaping up as that sort of night, wasn't it, where it was going to be either that moment of real magic, like a 35-yard shot or a or something from a set piece that was going to go in and make the difference. And, and luckily for the home side at the end, they, they got that break, that little sort of bubble in the penalty area. And, and, and Sadie, obviously, a nice shot on the turn. It was right into the top corner, nothing that Morgan could do as she flew through mm. the air and... It was a big goal for them, really, because it just keeps that three-point margin over Perth going. It's essentially four points given the goal difference. Yes. Um, so, so Murdoch University, Melville know that six points in those last two games will give them a league title, um, which is which is obviously a tremendous achievement for for Pete and the team, um, and for the Redbacks. Now, I think it's going to be difficult for them now to make the six. Obviously, Balcatar and NTC are playing on Sunday. I think they'll be hoping for a draw in that game to, to keep that fourth spot alive after Fremantle's win on Wednesday kind of gave them a real boost. And, mm-hmm. and the Redbacks have got Perth and Curtin to finish the season. So they're going to need to win both games, I think, if they are to uh, sneak into that fourth
4: place.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's it, It's been great seeing the progress of Perth Soccer Club um, at the moment, right at this moment. There's three points differing, the two, but then... Mm-hmm. Game in hand, there's another game happening. I'm I'm pretty sure Perth over Curtin will do the business there and um, that'll put them back on even points with Mum FC and it's just the last two games of the season. That'll be the killer. Someone's got to
2: drop points. Yep, and NTC are versing both um, Perth and (laughs) Murdoch in their um, last two games, so hopefully mix it up a bit. (laughs) <laughs> we'll have some talking points on the show, Miranda.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think I think the I think the respective coaches are going to want you to uh, do them a favour, Miranda. You're going to uh, have to get your own game on the last few weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, moving across to the men's state league, it's that uh, kind of strange competition structure that's set up now with the. The top six, is it, hang on, the top six and the lower six? Or is it just, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so yeah. confused with how this works in the, <laughs> the State League and then the NPL. Where does it lead uh-huh. in the end to? Did the, the, the bottom six teams, do they have the opportunity to get through to the final against the top six teams?
5: Yes, they do. So what happened was after the 11 games where every team played everybody once, sorry, where every team played everybody else once, the top six went into an upper tier and the lower six went into a lower tier. And then basically out of the upper tier, the top three teams in that mini league, so everybody plays everybody again in that mini league of six teams, and the top three teams of the upper tier go to the top four cup final. And then in that bottom six, there's only one spot available. So the team that finishes top of that lower tier will go through to the top four cup final with the three teams from the upper tier. So it is it is a slightly condensed structure this season and 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 it has been met with mixed response i think i always take the glass half full approach with these sorts of things i'm obviously just delighted that we've got a season to to be able to watch and i know that there was restrictions based on seasons such as cricket and other summer sports coming in yes. by a certain date because competitions had to be done by a certain time otherwise Summer competitions would run into our next football season, and and nobody really wanted that again. So that's right. Um, so I think we. So I think it's it's un, it's unfortunate, perhaps, that every team doesn't get to play each other twice as per normal. Um, but I think it's making for a pretty good um, competition in the men's side of things. And you're looking at teams like Coburn and ECU who haven't perhaps had the success that they've deserved over the years, and and for, for having the odds good season or two along the way because Perth and Bayswater have normally been so strong over those 22 or 24 games and and they've got a real chance of winning a league title this season. So um, where there is a slightly different format in the competition, opportunity is also sort of provided for these other teams as well, which I think is is great in a unique season.
1: It is a unique season and... There are teams doing very well for what, whatever reason. I don't know if this is like evening out the resources across the leagues kind of year, mm-hmm. um, which has enabled some of the clubs that uh, haven't had some of the you know the, the wage attractions that the other big clubs have had. So then you know to amortise a little bit. Um, that, it's unfortunate too because they do very well this year. There's no promotion and relegation. Um, mm. Mum FC on the men's side of things mm-hmm. are doing very darn well in yeah. State League Division 2. Go Mum FC. They are. Uh, yep, very happy about that. Um, so next year there'll be a new season. Promotion and relegation yep. will, will be back on. Will it be the balance continues or will it be a difference again? I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see what happens next year, the movement of players, coaches and whatever.
5: Yeah, I think it will ultimately come down to resources. I mean, I think clubs are still trying to find their way out of, um, even though in Perth, relatively speaking, we are pretty much mentally, I suppose, out of the out of the pandemic, even though we still have to be careful and, and socially distance and everything. Um, I still think that clubs are still going to take time to come out of the other side in a sense. They might not feel the pinch, just yet while the season's still running, and there's still an opportunity to take gate receipts and 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 food and drink from the canteens and things like that that perhaps once it gets to those summer months, um hopefully the shorter off season with the slightly longer season this time round helps um but I think there's going to be a lot of clubs behind the scenes possibly towards the end who are um, who are probably just going to recalibrate and then we'll 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 see whether the established order sort of restores itself or whether. Teams such as Coburn, who have done really well with their youngsters this season, um, whether they managed to keep hold of all of those um, those players in a sense, and, and really build on the seasons to come. Yep. And just to sort of touch on what you were saying before as well, Penny, um, it, it is interesting with the new competition format. But I, 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 I'll say it to—I've said it to so many people this season. In two or three years' time, when we're all back to normal and the pandemic's fingers crossed, a distant memory. I think every. I don't think anybody's going to really remember it. I think it's just going to say twenty twenty NPL WA and top four cup champions team X, yeah. and uh, and that'll be it. It'll be in the history books, and and there we go. We move on.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and you know one of the things about playing a team sport is that the bond that you get with your fellow teammates is one of the reasons you stay at that club or not. So in you know the lesser resource the financial resources being available in semi-professional football at the moment has meant that um, the club has used other things to retain their membership or players. Hopefully those things retain the membership or players again for next year and you know it doesn't cause a big change or transition again. It, it would be good to see the clubs that have done well this year do well again next year.
5: Absolutely and and, uh, and you touched upon it before with the volunteers Nice that at Murdoch University, Melville, um, uh, last night, Penny and uh, and, and I've, I've run at Perth and um, with our men's and women's have had maybe a couple of doubleheaders this season as well. I think the clubs have been creative and not necessarily creative, that's probably the wrong word, but they're, they're trying to do different things, um, which I think is great because ultimately if you get the crowds into the ground, uh, it, it makes for a good product. It creates that awareness Um it also allows for opportunities for clubs to be able to possibly take some more earnings as well. So,
1: Yeah, no, I think creative uh, is a great word. It, it's the, creating a model that is allowing them to capture more of the market, a bit of a revenue stream for the club. I, I think creative is definitely the right word mm-hmm. and i was talking about that with a couple of uh, people at a game last night. It enables people to go and watch more games through the weekend. Um, that means that yeah. there's more people engaging with the football community. It's great.
5: Yeah and that, and that's something that, that that's interesting I I found about the the men's side of the game uh, we have had a couple of the we have had a couple of midweek rounds which I think have been good I was at Sorrento on Wednesday night there was a tremendous crowd in for for the Sorrento and Gwell up game um which I called and um it was great to see so many people getting out and and watching and watching the football um and I think when you have more football at, at different times I think it allows people perhaps who aren't able to make it on the weekends to be able to attend and and I'm sure the play I'm sure Miranda will tell you as well that she, she'd much rather be playing games than, than going to training so yeah. <laughs> I think that's what the players want to even if maybe a week later they probably regret saying that because they're a little bit sore but players want to play games and mm. and I think something that's been really positive has been having the women's games at, at on the synthetic on a Friday night, I think that offers a good set of eyes. You have the occasional game on a Saturday, and the Sundays as well. And 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 I think it's something that's that's really good. It's really worked, and it, it, it's a it's a marginal thing, but I think these marginal things can make a real difference, particularly at this time.
1: Yep, it's helped all the things. I think that the clubs and Football West have done this year in terms of uh, changing game times and days and spreading them out and the digital technologies, the social mediums, all those things have helped promote our sport in different ways that they needed to this year that's helped engage the community mm. in different ways. And I think that'll be good moving forward to next year with whatever mm. they plan or go back to or however it is, it's created a, um, a larger catchment for the sport in a different way. I yeah, absolutely. Abs- abs- yeah, I did want to ask you, um, Tommy, um, with the talk of having a national second division, and mm-hmm. there is lots of talk about it and you know, nothing's decided, but there's there's talks of uh, about 30 clubs in in the catchment of the discussion across Australia, probably none from Western Australia, mm-hmm. um, but uh, just having a tier between the National Premier League in each state to the A-League um, as a, an interface, and I know that we – we really actually have to have one to qualify to be part of the AFC, but we just haven't ever had one. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. do have a pretty awesomely big country, so money is a big thing and resources especially now. But how do you see as the current NPL structure fostering and developing players and being um, you know, some kind of second division or modifying that or where Perth or West Australia would sit in that? What's your thoughts?
5: Um, so – uh, there was there was the announcement earlier in the week, and and Perth and Bayswater were the two were two teams which were announced as part of the group. Okay. Um, obviously nothing. Obviously nothing's finalised, and and they're not the teams um, that are definitely going to be in the competition. I should. Makes that very clear, yep. but they they did put together a thirty, I think it's either thirty or thirty-five teams together, yep. um, from around the country who are going to be part of this group, which are going to be part of the discussion basis for this um, proposed national second division. Um, if I think, uh, and I think if you, I think it's the AAFC. Um, I think you should be able to find them either on yes. on, on yep. Google or or on social media, and they've been putting quite a bit of stuff out this week. So. It's definitely worth a read, but but at this stage, it's just essentially a consultation group. Um, but it's good to have some WA representation. Um, but in terms of having a second division, I think obviously it's got to be financially viable, and that's the key point in all this. But I, I think it's super important to have that that conduit between the national premier leagues and the, um, like and, the and the national competitions, yeah. uh, whether it be in the men's and the women's, because. I think you see it quite often. You, you sort of have players who are perhaps uh, who are really good at NPL level, but they never really get a chance to sort of progress through the system. And, and I've seen a lot of young players come through during the time. Um, I'll, you, you use sort of Perth Glory as an example. Uh, they made the top four cup final in 2018. They lost the Perth in the final, but the Perth have been tremendous the last few years. But a lot of those kids have kind of, um, gone from that glory academy, and have, and have just sort of popped up at MPL clubs, and and, and I'm sort of thought they're so young still, and and they've still got an opportunity to develop and and push on, and I, and I just think having that second division, that that next level up for those types of players, if they are good enough to be able to go into, it is something that would be really positive, and I, I just think the, the depth. I mean, we've seen how football is obviously the most popular game. The the depth in the clubs, you would be able to reshuffle that and you would be able to put a couple of teams up into a national second division without a doubt, be it at men's and women's level. Um, But, yeah, I just just think that it's something that has to happen now for us to grow the game. Obviously, it has to be financially viable because we don't want clubs going to the wall, and that's going to be the key thing out of all of this. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the stuff on the field, and developing players and bringing through that next level and and, and building up these clubs as well. I mean, if you're going to have some clubs who are in this national second division and you want to really sort of make, I won't, I won't name any clubs in particular, but if you were to have club X and club Y and clubs dead out of WA in a national second division, and they were to become strong teams, then that can only be, be a good thing for football in the state. So We'll see how it pans out. There's obviously a lot of water to go under the bridge first, but I think on the field it has to come in um, without a doubt, 100%, but I think off the field there's still a lot of work to do and I wouldn't be pushing the button if it wasn't financially viable for these clubs to do so, in my opinion.
1: I'll have to do some reading of those documents for sure. So uh, it's good to hear that Perth and Bayswater have put their hands up and they're two of our best-known clubs in Western Australia for sure, um, if anyone can get anything together that is likely to be those two clubs. So uh, resources is, is going to be the thing. Um, it's Yeah, it's going to be a massive undertaking. But as we said before, Australian football yeah. is undergoing a, a review and a restructure and there's money being promised by the government to put down into facilities. So hopefully grassroots football can grow and increase participation and whatever other ways it helps with the, with the clubs and growing the sport is good. Yeah, so I've just bought, I've just bought something that's now off the, uh, off, the off the web that said the the, AS, the AASC
5: member clubs have released the full list of thirty clubs aiming to take part in the national second division, and obviously at this time it's a, it's a consultation period as as such. But the, the group has been calling themselves the championship, which is which is possibly going to be one of the proposed names for this division. There's one from the ACT, six from New South Wales, one Northern New South Wales, five Queensland, five South Australian, one Tasmanian, two from WA and nine from Victoria. And, and as I said, it is a consultation thing at the moment. But I, I just... And there's, like I said, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge, but I, I, it's just nice to see something, some substance because there's been so much talk for so long, to see some names on an article, to see a group actually really wanting to take this forward. Yeah. Um, I just I just find the discussion... Really encouraging, and look. Even even if a lot of people are saying we want less talk and more action, I still think the discussion around anything like this is very healthy as we try and build the code in this country.
1: Yes, Tommy, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate your input as always. Do a great job as match commentating. Keep that up.
5: Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. See yep. you guys. Good luck tomorrow, Miranda. Bye.
1: Thank you very much. See ya. See you, Tommy. Tommy Dolman, match reporter you'll hear his dorsal tunes across the NPL and NPLW games. Do you say WNPL or NPLW? Yeah, I
2: said WNPL.
1: Yeah. I noticed on Football West uh, or Sports or whatever that platform is, it's um, NPLM, NPLW. Yeah. Yeah. A bit strange. There you go. <laughs> lots of football to be talking about and uh, lots of things – uh, to be considered draft documents for this, uh, resources, restructure, mm-hmm. how the league is going to look, uh, appointments of top-level coaches. Lots to be talking about now. It's great. <laughs> we'll be back very shortly talking more football. This is Penn and Miranda on the World Football Program.
0: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. grab five mates and come down for a game today.
6: Reffing football. Is it having the best seat in the house? Or is it about your love for the game?
1: Is it the best weekend job you'll ever have?
7: Or your favourite way to keep fit?
6: Find out what refing football means to you. Register at myfootballclub.com.au
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware, WA. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Programme on 107.9 FM. Penny and Miranda in the studio and Greg Farrell on the line. Good morning, Greg. How are you?
5: I'm good. How are you
1: too? <laughs> awesome. Female power today. <laughs> Were you at the game last night, young man?
5: I was, yeah.
1: Hiding in the dugout? there was lots of people uh, there, well, that's for sure.
5: I don't know, I don't know if you call it hiding. No. I have a funny feeling. People heard my voice. <laughs> around
1: the ground, but. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the the way that um, <laughs> Mum FC is set up, it's got um, uh, the one two, one, two, three tiers, and it was quite full when I got there before the game because of the Volunteer night celebrations, and then there's the dugouts down the other end. And um, yeah, when everyone's in the dugout, it's kind of an enclosed area. You can't see anything happening, so I didn't didn't know if you were there, um, but and I couldn't hear you either. So maybe people down at the other end could, because it was quite full. So but it was a good game. Yeah,
3: it,
5: it seemed like a very good crowd, which was terrific for the for the spectacle and and for the for the game itself for the players.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of what we hope for every game, really, for men's and women's to help promote the football to the community. And uh, there's quite a few people there last night that uh, had come along to a game earlier in the season and uh, brought their friends along this time, which was fantastic. Come from other clubs to watch, and that's what it's all about. Just uh, either come along to spy on the players and see how they're going to go next time they play against them or just to appreciate a good game or (laughs) bring their family along. It's all good.
5: Yeah. Most certainly, and, and the more the more people, the more families, the more friends we get down, the, the bigger the crowds are, the the more opportunities companies and businesses will hopefully see to get more involved in sponsoring and, and helping
6: out with this great game that we have.
1: And look, and that's key too, and we were talking earlier about the digital... Um, the, digital stamp or whatever you call it, you know, the increase in uh, streaming and and so forth. Footprint. Yeah, footprint. Yeah, that's a great word thing. I'm just going to write mm-hmm. that down, right? Footprints. Okay. <laughs> digital footprint. That sounds awesome. So that this year has zoomed ahead and how do we – or how does football make money from that? If lots of people are tapping into it, to all these free free resources mm. via Football West or YouTube or whatever, um, how can we treat that like a bum on a seat? and charge an attendance fee. Mm -hmm. Do do we have a subscription base to watch the games eventually or or what is it? Because we want people to watch the games, to go down and spend money at the ground and to share the love of the game at the ground and appreciate the sports people playing. Uh, But um, if you can't get there or you want to watch something live stream, how do we take advantage of that? Is there an answer, Greg?
5: Oh, I'm, I'm sure there, there are plenty of different answers. And I think, um, you and I have actually had, had this conversation in the past. I, I don't particularly like the idea of pay per view sort of subscriptions for people to have to watch because I don't think we're at the level where that's going to, I guess, provide a more, a more positive footprint because even, even if the subscription is 50 cents, And with the viewer numbers that we have been getting, if that is reduced, then the pull for sponsors and stuff to be involved is reduced. So, And and maybe it has to be a combination approach where there is some sort of a package that it's $5 to watch for the season or whatever it is. So it's a very, very small impact on the regular people who want to watch the games all the time but then, because of the viewer numbers, we're able to go to very, very big companies, multinational companies, and say, "Well, there's thousands upon thousands of views for these every single week. If you've got your name on the the image that people are seeing every week, then it's going to have a positive impact for your company."
1: Yes, um, and that might be uh, that uh, might yeah, be the absolute key here is that if the numbers are very good and we can or Football West or FFA can approach sponsors and say, well, look at these numbers. Um, do you want to put your advertising on those platforms and provide the free service to everyone watching it? Then, um, yeah, I mean, th- that's how Google works, right? So, yeah, it's got to be a, a system that can work for football. So, mo- moving over to other other things, football. How has futsal gone through this crazy year, Greg?
5: Um, it, well, I mean, the, the lockdown certainly was, was a difficult period of time, but it gave us the opportunity to to sit down and, and plan and, and try and map out where we want to be moving um, and, and everything. Since, since the, the middle of June, end of June we've started back with seniors and then into July with junior competitions and um, we actually have the 2.0 for the school titles that we got one third of the way through back in March. Um, we'll be having them in in Term Four, and we've got nearly a hundred teams registered for that. Um, which, given the fact that we already had fifty-five odd teams playing March, is a, a, a very positive thing. Um, and with the the senior competitions, the the social stuff is all growing again. And as we get through the winter, and and less people are then playing. other sports that that we compete with, we should get more teams back in playing football and I think that's been a big thing is that because of COVID, because of not necessarily people losing their jobs, but everyone being quite cautious with what they're doing with their time and their money um, we have sort of seen it a little bit uh, more competitive with other sports, things like netball, where if people had in the past played Netball and football and futsal, they were perhaps only choosing two out of the three, or even one out of the three. So, hopefully, as we move forward, that that will pick back up, and and people will be able to do more of what they've always loved doing. Um, do you, and,
1: do you find that you're having to be, or your organisation has had to be more creative in the marketplace to attract and retain teams?
5: Yeah, well, it, it, I suppose the the digital side of things has certainly, and you just said it about football as well, um, has certainly had a, an enormous leap. And I, I think things like Zoom, uh, Zoom meetings where six or 12 months ago, probably not too many people had heard of the platform where now most of the world knows about it and has used it. Um, so finding different ways of doing things, especially digitally, have, have certainly been one of the big benefits of everything that, that's happened um, and just finding more and new and different ways to, to engage people to, I guess, promote what we do but but also make sure that the, the players are,
3: um,
5: I guess, enjoying themselves and, and seeing that, that new life and that new way of doing things.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, football is... If you love football, then um, I guess you would be um, encouraging new teams and players in by the attraction of futsal to other forms of sport as a summer uh, activity because um, if you want uh, teams in your competition, then the obvious marketplace, well, I would have thought the obvious marketplace is where existing soccer players are already playing, which is 11-a-side football in Ah. the typical winter season. So that would be your kind of marketplace to – promote and look for your teams for the summer season. So if you're doing well now, I'm sure there's other groups out there in five-a-side, six-a-side, seven-a-side football that are also doing well and looking for creative ways to attract the same marketplace, so to speak.
5: Yeah, and, and that that's definitely also the case. Um, it is it is quite competitive and there are lots of different groups, even all the way down to uh, local council-run um, indoor facilities that, that run their own versions of, of indoor soccer, I think is probably the better way yes. of, of phrasing it. Um, but the, uh, I guess the biggest thing, and, and yes, using the, the winter football season as a starting place is what did happen a long time ago. But when more focusing now on, on players who want to play the game all year round. The ones who, who want to come in and play during the summer uh, a, a terrific bonus, especially in the social competitions, but the the elite side of the game has progressed a long way from from being sort of the summer thing to do for for outdoor football players. And the the young lady sitting next to you can certainly attest to that. She, she's she played football during the summer um, in the past, and and obviously because of of the talent that she has, is, is very very good at it. Um, but then, there are other priorities as players get older, and especially ones who are moving into higher pathways um so we sort of have to make sure that we're trying to get people in for twelve months of the year where possible as well.
2: Yes, yeah, I do think that um you know a lot of the girls in um the NPL here and all the different teams have played um futsal at some point in their life, and I think it's a great way at um for. Footballers to develop a lot of their skills because of the you know it's it's a much fast-paced game and it's all close and it develops your first touch and everything and quick decision making quick decision making and for keepers massive for one-on-ones and but yeah I do definitely think that um the time of futsal is like they do try and get you to play a different way and you can tell the difference between players that are just yep. come in for the summer season and uh, our field players rather than. People that have grown up playing football all their life, the decision making and the tactical awareness of them is much better. Yep.
5: Yeah. Well, and if, if you have a look at, around the the women's NPL now, there there isn't a single team that doesn't have a loss of their first team players that play football. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably one or two that um, there is uh, only a small number. Um, but if if you have a look across the leagues, I reckon the average of any of the WNPL teams would be six or seven of the first-team players play futsal regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and essentially, a lot of those players have been treating playing futsal and, and training with futsal clubs as extra training sessions per week, which we sort of in WA have fallen behind, where in the eastern states, the football clubs have been training three or four times a week for five or six years since they first got the NPL. Um, and that hasn't really kicked off over here, um, except with the NCC program. But those players are, are seeing the benefits of getting more touches on the ball more often.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, and, and as Miranda just said, it is, it is quite obvious when you look at the, the technique and the tactical awareness of individuals, the ones who have played quite a lot of football.
1: What about on the male side of things? Uh, I know we're emphasising female uh, football here, but um, you said there was 100 teams that had registered. Is that junior teams or is that school teams? So
5: that, that, that was for the school titles,
3: yeah.
1: Far out. Team. Okay. So that's uh, boys and girls then. Um, what about in the the male side of the competition in, in your futsal organisation, um, like right, right across Perth, uh, is there like a heap more men's teams than women's teams or are they about even or give us an idea of numbers?
3: No,
5: there, there certainly is more men's teams than women's teams across the board. Um, at the elite level, it's closer than um, in general. But the I don't know an exact breakdown, but I would suggest it's probably about sixty-five thirty-five. Um,
1: uh, are the, you are uh, you talking? Uh, the, the social- are you talking right yeah. across your com- your competitions?
5: Yeah, yeah, especially across the the social competition, yeah. um, the like I said, the, the elite competitions, it, it would be closer. It's probably sixty forty, um, but there is even even fifty five forty five. But there is still uh, a distinct difference in the actual population of male players compared to female players. Yeah, um, and and you see it even with the. The football competitions, you look at the number of female football competitions, there's I think there's 14 division one, uh, and maybe division two. 16s only has one division, 18s possibly has two divisions. Um, whereas in the boys, there's sort of five or six divisions in mm-hmm. those age groups. Um, so I, I think the the diff- the disparity is probably getting smaller, it is shrinking, I think as we get more young girls playing when they're in primary school and even into early secondary school. Um, But I think there definitely is still a a big
1: difference there. Yeah. Now, uh, last week you had your presentation night, so that was the end of your winter season, is that right?
3: Yes, that's correct.
1: Okay. So despite COVID affecting the competition, you still had a season and that went from what period to what period?
5: Yeah, so we started that. Um, I think, from memory, it was the end of June or early July. It was just a short ten-week uh, season, so similar to what's happened with with all of the outdoor football seasons. Everything was was short, and um, to make sure that we did still get players back and playing, and we had we had a little bit of extra time for friendly games for training. Once the uh, the lockdown they got to the point where we were able to do contact. We didn't go straight back into playing games because I think that would have added to injury, in- injury which, risk. I mean, yeah. we, we, have, we have seen quite a bit of an increase in the injuries in the outdoor football um, because of the lack of a, a fully, I guess a fully functional pre-season yeah, where yeah. you I agree of spend with that. Eight, eight or ten weeks. Um, because we only had four, there has
6: been a, an increase in injury, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I was watching Mum FC last night and looking at the players in their squad and thinking that each time I've watched them play, there hasn't been uh, much of a, a changeover of players. So, I- indicating that injury hasn't been a major problem in the squad for yeah. the first 11 and uh, appreciating that. And, I, and I'm not sure about other teams in the women's NPL. <coughs> Excuse me. But. Um, you know, clearly the um, the sport training regime around Mum FC is doing okay, mm-hmm. especially on the hard surface, yeah. well, not hard, but the artificial Synthetic, surface.
5: Yeah, <coughs> yeah well, and, and to be honest, I actually think um, having ha- had artificial surfaces in teams that I've coached before,
3: mm-hmm.
5: um, I think that it it's, it's almost certainly has been a benefit this season because of, uh, and even with the, the really wet Season that we've had, um, I think there's been a lot of ankle and and knee injuries on on grounds that have copped a fair bit of wear yeah. um, that probably wouldn't have happened in the past as well. And because of the shortened season, and we've had a lot of games that have had to be fitted into small periods of time. Yes, the the grounds that are not artificial have had lots of wear and tear. Um, And so that that has almost certainly been a contributing
1: factor as well. And and you wait until the school holidays because all the games go through the school holidays now. I'm talking Mm. junior football. And school terms mostly finish at the end of this week coming. And there's fixtures right through the school holidays. There'll be a few deferred games and there'll be games cramped in midweek. And yeah, yeah, to try and get them finished by the end of the season, I suspect there'll be a few forfeits and that kind of thing happening as well. Mm Um, just well, an unusual and
7: that,
5: season. And that, yeah, and, and that's exactly it. It has to be chalked up to the fact that it is a slightly unusual season, but we have to deal with what we have to deal with.
1: Yeah, um, yeah that's right. We want all the sports to be um, fitted into the same environment so they can enjoy their sport as well, not just us. I mean, we could say, nah. Um yeah, we've got to be good and accommodating and, um, because everyone's in the same situation. Uh, Greg, we're going to have to let you go. Uh, appreciate your time today. And um, the new season starts for West Coast Futsal, so get in touch with West Coast Futsal um, online. And uh, if you've got a team to register, contact Greg through the West Coast Futsal. Thanks for joining us today, Greg.
5: No problem, Fanny. Thank you very much. Look after yourself, please, both of you. Have a good Mm -hmm. weekend. See ya. See ya.
1: Bye. That was Greg Farrell, the director of coaching from West Coast Futsal. Yes, lots of uh, football out there, and it it seems like, although there was a little bit of a a hit to the competitions in that belly of the COVID, Mm. that they've come out of it and zoomed along, and the uptake's been good again. Yep, definitely. Definitely a competitive marketplace, too. Mm. Five aside, six aside, seven aside. Lots of. uh, Buildings and councils and um, clubs getting their teams into futsal to keep people together over the summer and through mm. the winter and a bit extra training and all that. Yep, all good stuff. We're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat to the president of the Boulder City Soccer Club, Gavin Carroll, on celebrating 120 years of football. What a feat that is! Back soon. This is Penny and Miranda.
3: The top station
5: on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.
7: Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on shared TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football Team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together.
3: Of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in.
4: Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in colour aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au. dot don't fence me
3: We are one, but we are...
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM on Radio Fremantle. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Penny and Miranda talking you through till 12 o'clock today. And we are welcoming the president of Boulder City Soccer Club, Gavin Carroll, up next. Good morning, Gavin.
5: Good morning. How are you?
1: Absolutely awesome. Thank you for joining us. I hope the weather is fantastic for you out your way. It's pretty good down here at this very second. And celebrating 120 years is no mean feat. And I think that uh, you could pretty safely say that you'd be the oldest club in Western Australia. Would that be right?
5: Yeah, that's correct. Um, there's a bit of debate over whether, whether the oldest regional club or the oldest club. We'll, either way, we'll take... A will
1: take the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I did have a little bit of a, a look around and, and a bit of a research, and there are some pretty old clubs in, in Perth that have celebrated uh, 50 years and 70 years in the past uh, five years or so, and Bassendine Caledonians is probably the oldest club that I can think of in Perth. Uh, and then there's uh, – across Australia, there's Balga- Balgawani Rangers, I think, from 1883 – um, and we're talking 1,900 for Boulder City. So you're doing pretty well. I mean, across the whole of Australia, within you know, 10 or 15 years or so, that's a pretty amazing feat. I don't think many people would know that Boulder City is the oldest club in Western Australia.
5: No, it's not it's not um not common knowledge, I guess. Um, the whole idea of having the 120th anniversary this year is to get the award out there and kind of celebrate the history of the club. And, yeah, the longevity of it, considering the events in history that have uh, changed the course of many clubs, but we're still going strong, and yeah, we're looking forward to the next 120.
1: Fantastic. And, and how will the club and the community be celebrating the 120 years?
5: Um, so the, On the 31st of October this year, we're going to have a big gala event at the Kaili Town Hall. Um, it's going to be kind of formal wear, kind of big deal kind of thing for the town, but we're trying to get a lot of local businesses on board. We've got a lot of band locked in. Obviously, this year being the year it's been, it's kind of wasn't looking like it was going to happen for a while. But fortunately, we were able to get a get everything together and actually just completed the season last Sunday.
1: Yeah, just looking at uh, the competition just finished for the goldfields. Uh, your Boulder City club has been pretty spectacular in this year's competition.
5: Yeah, this this I mean. It was very, pretty much on-off kind of season, but we eventually got a nine-game season together compared to normal, normally fifteen-game season, and um, had all three senior clubs in the grand, in the grand finals. And lucky enough, we were able to get up in all of them. And um, it's yeah, the A-grade team has won four of the last five, and that's a good achievement considering we hadn't won a grand final since 1999 before that. So things have been going quite well the last recent years here.
1: So you you won all three of your A-grade finals?
5: Yeah, so we won the ladies. Uh, the ladies won their final. The B-grade obviously got up and won theirs, and then the A-grade won to complete the trifecta on last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, yeah.
1: What's the key? Is it something to do with you're able to attract some pretty special players to the club in these 120 years? Um,
5: I don't know. It was a, I think it was a mixture of things. I think we obviously... I think is quite transient. So, from season to season, you get to keep. i say, lucky if they keep fifty percent of the team from some seasons of season, um, and then it's just all about recruitment. We obviously had our A grade coach back this year, Ibrahim Mari. He had a year out last year, like a lot of members did. And um, he came back, and he, he's been a massive, massive bonus for the club. Yeah, uh, coaches both men's senior teams and has been quite successful. He's probably been the driving force behind the success in the last
1: few years. 50% turnover in your playing stocks is pretty remarkable. I I think the churn rate for football generally is about 30% mm. from year to year. They say most of that is in um, the junior age of 14 to 17, like that adolescent, you know, with boyfriends and work and study, all that kind of stuff <laughs> keeps in... <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah,
5: it's um, it's interesting where we where we are. You know, it's, people come to Galway; they've finally got an idea how long they want to stay here. For a lot of the the, the public kind of servant guys, with the police and the, the the doctors and nurses and things, they tend to do like a two years, maybe three years stint. Yep. So we kind of every few years you get a bit of a turnover, and I mean, we our club has been based on a lot of overseas guys, and I was right back to the history of it. I mean. We've got it from Scotland, Wales, Chile, South Africa, Germany, all over the world. So they kinda of come here for um you know, some regional work sometimes. Like myself, so like myself, sometimes you get here you never leave. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just it, it can be a challenge, but that goes for every club. That's not just our club, but I mean every club has the same issues and I think it's you can have you could have a the season pretty well and then by the end of the season you could have a completely different things. So, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Losing and, losing and guys in the middle of the season is never uh, never never good for consistency.
1: Do you have special rules in the competition? Because obviously that wouldn't just be a, a Boulder City uh, challenge, it'd be the whole competition's challenge.
5: Uh, I think we just have to deal with it. I mean, it's just one it's just one of those things where you kind of you just kind of get used to it. Um, you, have, you, know, you know, you've got I guess that people are on, on shift, so shifts can change, or you might have a guy that can only play like the second week, or even worse with guys that play every third week. So trying to get a steady, consistent team is, um, can be quite difficult at
1: times, yeah. Sounds like a bloody nightmare. Mm. <laughs> 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 oh, no, yeah, well,
5: it makes make it interesting. So i, mean, this, year, I think last, uh, this year was the most up-and-down season I've ever been involved with. Everybody beat everybody. Because over the years, you might have had one team or two teams in particular that were um, quite dominant. But this year, yeah... This year, where you could flick a coin, it didn't, didn't. Literally, on the finals. I mean, Celtic got to the grand final on the B grade, and they they finished fourth. They'd be forced in the semis. Mm. Um. So yeah, this year has been been a topsy-turvy kind of season, there. Yeah.
1: Do you have special rules that allow players to come in on like short-term memberships, or to come in and play one game and go? Because it sounds like if you've got players that are on shift work or. Your flying player or whatever it is that they could, they don't make all games through a season. Would would you have any players that play all games in a season, or is the workforce such that it players are always coming and going? Um,
5: I think you just have to register your 40 players. We don't really have any particular set rules that we you know we have allowances that people can play one game or two games. I mean, same same system as anywhere else in, in the state. You just have to register and. You just got to deal. You just got to deal with it. I mean, we use the four up, four down rule quite a lot, so you can play four players. Potentially play two games every week. So yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. Every club's in the same boat, and we've just been dealing with it for years. So
1: yeah, so you it's
5: have, kind of bad as it Sounds. I think
1: so. You have a big playing roster, basically. So you've got a big pool of players that you pull from each week.
5: Yeah, yeah. basically, we, we can register forty forty guys and twenty girls. So. Golf for those, those four, sport, can field two teams and men's and one one team of ladies. There.
1: Okay, and what about yourself? Do you play?
5: Yeah, I I, I play. I play B grade now. Looking to be captain of B grade. So, yeah, I had a year out last year. We we prior to that, I think we were in seven grand finals in a row and lost them all. So when we when we finally got one, a lot of the, a lot of the B grade guys kind of had a year out. And and losing that many players last year wasn't wasn't ideal. Because, um, I don't think things went too good last year, but a lot of the, a lot of the guys including the coach came back this year. And yeah, obviously it's been a successful year, so something must have worked.
1: Sounds like you've been with the club for a while, one of the stable influences.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. I've been involved for about eight years. And um, been coaching coaching the juniors. We started the juniors about five years ago, so we merged with a team called St. Joseph's at the time. so five years ago we got juniors on board which is the first time in 120 years that we had juniors so that's hopefully going to give us a better steady base as those kids now come in and start playing seniors we have two, two of those guys actually got an exemption to play seniors this year and one of them actually got best on around the B grade final so hopefully we're going forward we won't be as inconsistent in regards to numbers now that we've got a good junior base
1: yes Yes, well, yeah, as long as the families are in for the long haul, I guess.
5: Yeah, that's right, and a lot of them are, I mean, as I said, I've coached our oldest age group, so it's a bit weird kind of coaching them under under 11s, and now some of them are playing seniors. So, um, we've got a really good group of players coming through, so, yeah, as I said, hopefully that, you know, stitches us up for the next few years and makes us more consistent, in fact, in relation to the numbers.
1: Yep. tell tell us about the playing conditions up there. Is the league structured that it's a like home and away basis, so one club and the next club, and on particular days, or is there a big uh, central hub where everybody plays, and then the clubs have different training areas?
5: So four four years ago, we used to play uh, all the all the senior games are at Usher Park, and that was like adjacent to our club rooms. And then four years ago, the council and KCGM built a sporting sporting complex, so it's solely for soccer, cricket and squash. and um, so uh, every team plays there, so there's no there's no home and away as such. Everybody plays there on Sunday, so the juniors play there on the Saturday, then Sunday seniors day, so the ladies play fourth, then it's the B grade and the A grade. So it's a pretty flash facility. and Council's still working on getting the pitches quite right. They're not exactly um great at the moment, but hopefully the year so um and find that output. Yeah, everyone pays centrally so you can, you can basically sit there for the whole day and watch soccer all day if you want to.
1: Nice. And generally through the, well, what we call our winter season in Perth is uh, stormy and um, can be a bit muddy but a lot of grass, it gets kicked off and then sometimes we can't play on the grounds and so on and so on uh, but generally grass regrows, it's all good and temperatures are pretty pretty mild for our winter Is it – What's it like up there in, in your winter?
5: Uh, winter's quite dry. Um, it's, it can't get quite cold, but, I mean, generally sunny. As the spring comes in, it kind of tends to get a bit windier, um, which makes it a bit of a nightmare sometimes. We had a few games recently where um, the wind really dictated the play, so mm. and it was basically down to who could play the win the better, really. That's, uh, but apart from that, we... I don't get much rain. I don't think I've played maybe four games in eight years in the rain. So, wow. Yeah. it's um, Well, it's desert conditions, I guess.
1: Yes. So talking about the uh, history and the club, tell us about some of the significant characters in the club over the 120 years.
5: Okay. So uh, I, the club was founded on the 5th of June, uh, 1900. And that was the old commercial hotel in Bowler, which is now the Palace, of Palace Theatre. Um, We've now moved to our club rooms many years ago, up at Hay Street in Kalgoorlie, which is great for us. We're the only club that actually has club rooms, so it gives us a little bit more of a financial base that we can kind of help ourselves with. But back then, it was some of the Kalgoorlie things. It was our biggest rivals, but it was mainly um, Boulder Mines and Boulder City at the time. So, obviously, Boulder Mines are made up of Mine workers and stuff, and then the Dollar City was mainly medical, you know, publicans and professionals and stuff like that. Um, so, the Forest president was a bit of a bit of a um, controversial character. I think back in the day, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> name was uh, Harkord Whipple Ellis was the guy's name. Um, bit of a larger and looser character back in the history. He was a bit of a um, like you used to call it a back backstreet dentist.
3: Um.
5: Um, yeah, so he had a bit of controversy with a few, um, few issues with that, but um, after that, then the club persisted until, until the First World War, and that basically take, took out about 90% of all the playing groups, and a lot of guys left town, went to war, and Boston, most of them never returned, and took about 10 years the boulder I think, back online and they kind of reformed the competition and ironically enough it was a guy from the Bowler Mines Club a guy called Peter Docherty who was the right before stream bowler getting back to yeah back to their best Um, I think the bowler's biggest achievement over the years was back in kind of around 1938 something like that they were invited to play a fourteen comp against the Tasmanian and South Australian state teams and he's managed to beat both of them so
1: did they travel over east to do that?
5: Yeah, they, they traveled. You can imagine how, how what the logistics would have been like back then. We were yeah. trying to organize mm-hmm. getting 16 guys on a Sunday. We are having a bit of a whinge and a about it. But imagine trying to organize a team to go to South Australia and Tasmania or Adelaide for that in back in the day. So would have been a, a bit of an achievement even just to get those guys there. But to even to go over there and beat both sides is, just, is quite impressive, I think.
1: Yes, Absolutely. Mm. So, yeah, so the the, the club sp- spanned um, two periods of wars or two world wars. So you were saying that it knocked them out for about um, ten years before they got back on after the first world war. So uh, I'm guessing in the second world war, same thing. It would have been a a real blow to not just the club but to the competition.
5: Yeah, it basically decimated the competition. So it was back after the first world war they. Back in um, 1929, I think they got the comp back up and running after fourth World War. And that was much to uh, the dismay of the local AFL people at the time. Um, and so obviously, we're kind of sharing players and stuff. But look, we still still got through it. I mean, I know everything's going on with COVID and stuff at the moment. People, I think it's a good lesson to learn that history has happened and we will get through it and we will get back to some kind of normality pretty soon, hopefully.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Um, So what about, um, you know, what can you learn from the the past that is now? And I'm assuming that, I mean, I think of goldfields and I think of gold, so I think of mining (laughs) and (laughs) um, so that you're you're saying 50% of your um, membership turns over each year, so that indicates to me that you've got uh, people moving in and out of the community still, but surely – uh, the Goldfields area must be growing and becoming more stable. So, as its own community, it's supporting people staying in there with uh, schools and shopping and retail and whatever else. Is it is it kind of growing so that there would be more stability going forward? Yeah, I
5: mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people that have lived here the whole life. It's not, it's just the playing the paying sports is, you know, it's. It, a lot of people come here, they, as you said, you walk in the mines, you do shift, you walk further every day, so there's a lot of people that just don't have time, I don't want to play sports, so that's where I think the whole idea of getting the juniors on board was the biggest thing for us, because, you know, you get juniors can play seniors as soon as they're talking, you know, 16, so if you can make up that 50% uncertainty in the team like with, with juniors, it just makes everything so much easier. Yeah. Um, but in regards to the community, I mean the, the council here are trying everything they can to try and reduce, you know, the FIFO stuff, releasing land from more houses. There's, you know, I think the rental rates in, in are the lowest, in the you know, in Australia, trying to find a rental in town here is, is, is really difficult. But you know, the, the economy's—I've never seen the economy going as strong. A local business owner in town here, and yeah, we've ironically we've actually increased our into this whole COVID thing, so
1: that's good. Yes,
5: yeah, so I think that in regards to how I'm busy I don't think I've ever seen it busier.
1: That is very good news. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in in fact, um, so if you fly in, fly out. So besides mining, what would be other major industries or um, employment um, things in the goldfields area? Can can you name some?
5: Well, I mean, mining is obviously the staple of the whole town. Without mining, we wouldn't be here. My business is actually directly in the mine. uh, The services, everybody else got the skills and the, you know, skills, the infrastructure, commercial sort of things. It's it's stuff being built all the time and the hospital is expanding massively at the moment, they're putting a new MRI machine in, which means the people that do get injured on a Sunday don't have to travel down the trail <laughs> to get <the> an <laughs> uh,
3: We've
5: had a few injuries this year where, uh, yeah, we've, uh, I think the nine-game season, I don't think I've ever seen so many injuries, so I think that's down to a lack of preparation or maybe the pitches had a little bit of an effect on that as well. But, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, as I said, there's no short of investment in town and I absolutely love it here. I can't, I can't see myself
1: leaving any time soon. So you're in for the long haul, so you're not part of that 50% turnover?
5: <laughs> no, I'm proud to do that 50%. I have to find out about
1: Good. 50%. Good lad. <laughs> <laughs> so so your season's finished and you're having the presentation or the celebration at the town hall, which is pretty big. I'm assuming the town hall is the place to be in Kalgoorlie?
5: <laughs> yeah, well, we never, we never had it there before. We usually had it. We, sometimes we just had our club realms. be quite honest, it's, it wasn't hundred and twenty years this year because of the short season and stuff, we probably just had a few quiet drinks at the club rooms, but look like I said, it's not every year we're hundred and twenty, so we're gonna try and push the ball out. Get yep. the town hall, get a big band, increase like I mean this is this is open for everybody. This is you new know, open invitation to all the clubs, every member of every club, old members, even prospective new members. It's just it's just an event just to kind of celebrate at least having a football season, because I know the, the local AFL season didn't get off the ground, but had a few juniors. I think that was probably one of the biggest drivers of was actually having a season this year, because when the AFL said that they weren't, there was an opportunity there to pick some players up that were going to potentially play AFL. So I think it was even, from my point of view and from the GSA's point of view, it was really, really important that the community had something. I mean, back then it was, really unclear as to where we were going to be and if we didn't play sport. So, yeah, there was a few restrictions at the start, but we kind of got through with that and as the season went on, it got more normal and I got back to being as uh, seriously contested as always is.
1: So, uh, are you saying, Gavin, that the AFL did not go ahead with their season this year?
5: No. The AFL had to make, I'm sure it was a really difficult decision, but they made a decision um, not to play seniors. Um, the Esperance league did go ahead. So a lot of the guys, the hardcore players that really wanted to play, have been travelling up and down to Esperance every weekend. Esperance,
1: and down yeah, the bottom the... of Western Australia to Kalgoorlie.
5: Yeah. yeah, it's a four-hour drive, so it's an Four eight-hour hour round trip just to, play, just to play a game with AFL. So um, that looked good on them. I mean, but, it, GFL obviously had the decision to make and they obviously thought at the time that it wasn't, they, they felt like they could make the right decision. So, I mean, we had a even in our association, it was on, it was off. It was on, it was off again, and then, lucky enough, we started to have a crack. And look, it could have fell over after the fourth week, but lucky enough, we managed to get to the end of it. And yeah, I think everyone's been better off for it.
1: Yep. C- can you give us an idea of the size of the competition, like uh, generally across the goldfields leagues? Um, about. I don't know, how many teams there would be in, say, juniors, how many leagues there would be in seniors, or, or a number of like 1,500 registered players in the Goldfields area, something like yeah, that? Yeah,
5: so there's, there's over on a regular season. So obviously this year we didn't have a small-sided team, so all the teams from the under-6s up to under eleven unfortunately, didn't have a season. Um, but apart from that, I mean, we had another of 12 season under fourteens, under sixteens, and the 16s, and the three seniors. So there's four clubs out here. There's obviously ourselves, there's Twin City, Taguli College and Hannon Celtic. Um all those teams have junior teams as well. So yeah, it's, it's been one of those seasons where um, yeah, they've all been every team has got a got a win. I mean Hannon's got up in the B grade for this first time in News. Um we played against them in the grand final. It was a really, really tough game. So, I think generally, without the COVID season, there's ten, probably a thousand members. I would say. Okay, that's decent. Yeah, so it's, mm. about, yeah it's not a it's not a small comp by any means. It's, it's um, yeah, it's pretty good, it's pretty healthy at the moment. So that's good.
1: So you said you've got a pretty splashy club room there, and you've got one hundred and twenty years of. Celebration this year, so does that mean you've got some pretty decent trophies in the cabinet there?
5: Yeah, we've got some, I don't know if you would call them a relic, I guess, but we do have some really impressive. We've got a trophy there that survived our, um, I think we had a fire at the club rooms back in 1982 or 83 or something like that, and lost a lot of memorabilia, like all really old stuff, but a lot of stuff did survive as well. we got some of the members rebuilt the club back in 1987. Um, and they built it by hand as well because obviously the place wasn't insured. So, wow. Oof. Yeah, so that they they basically built themselves, and we yeah we still managed to hold on to some really old stuff. I think we've got a cup that's from 1902, and that survived the fire. It's Had a little bit of damage, but it's, it's in pretty good nick. Mm. Um, it's pretty impressive. That's one of the things, especially when you got the juniors on board. They they come into the rooms, mm. they look at these things, and. They're looking, even looking at dates on them. They can't really understand what 1902 would even would even look like.
1: Yep, yeah.
3: And
5: they, they go through all this, just, just trawling through all the stuff, and I'm just looking at them, hopefully they don't drop them.
1: <laughs> 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 hey, I <laughs> so reckon, bad. Gavin, I reckon that you should take a photo of your lovely club rooms. Uh, with, yeah. Uh, yeah, outside, I suppose outside you've got a great big sign that says Boulder City Soccer Club, and you've, your nice, lovely logo or something like that, and then inside with your trophies and put it on our world Facebook page so that our listeners can have a look at what you're telling us about.
5: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a, sounds a good idea. Um, yeah, we're going to obviously round some stuff up and I have our own presentation at the, the 120th anniversary stuff. So, um yeah, we'll definitely send you guys some pictures of you. It's
1: yes. It'll be good. Yeah, share it, and uh, I'll make sure that the information about the anniversary for the 31st is put onto the page and remind our listeners if they want to take a a trip up there, they can grab some tickets and come up and say hello and look at all your lovely goldfields and Boulder trophies and experience some history.
5: Absolutely. sounds
3: fantastic.
1: Thank you very much for your time today. appreciate you coming and joining us and telling us uh, all about what's happening at Boulder City and goldfields. Thank you.
3: Absolutely, thank you.
1: Good on you. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. You too.
3: Take
1: care. Bye. bye That was Gavin Carroll, the president of Boulder City Soccer Club. Uh, a lot of history there. Club rooms rebuilt after a fire by the members. Good job. Mm. That'll give them a little bit of attachment to it. A 50% turnover. Wow, that would um, – it's got to tear the coach's hair out at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's two hours of football over for this Day and Lennon Baggs-Groove is going to come in next for the next couple of hours. Miranda, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thank you very much. And good luck with your game.
2: Yes, hopefully we get a win.
1: Yes, hopefully you do, but Mum FC is looking pretty good for this season. <laughs> lots of football. You can log on to footballwest.com.au if you want to find out what games are happening for the weekend uh, or the sports TG sites on NPL. But... Football West has all the links. Go there and find the live streaming and all the fixtures that you can get out and watch for the weekend. Go football. See you next week.